Are you ready to live life to the full? Are you ready to rise up and live a life of honor? Are you ready to boldly step into a life of courage? This is the Manlyhood Mancast. Welcome to the Manlyhood Mancast. Today's episode is going to be an interview with musician Austin Sterling. He's from Indiana. You can see his website at austinsterling.com. He's going to talk about uh, life on the road, how that's impacted by coronavirus. He's going to talk about some of his music. We'll play a song from his new album. And uh, we're going to kind of get to know him better and see what his take is on what makes a good man. Anyway, give it a listen. I'm looking forward to it. This is an exciting interview. So without further ado, here's my interview with Austin Sterling. Austin, you are uh, one of my favorite musicians, to be honest with you. I know you're like, oh, yeah talking to my biggest fan but um yeah. Uh, yeah i love your music and i know for me personally it it always speaks to me and it it motivates me and i i love listening to it um this new album is phenomenal and i thought maybe we could kind of talk about it a little bit about where it comes from the story behind it and then maybe talk about your uh career as a musician and uh you know as a man making music and what that looks like for you but why don't we start out tell me about this new album um, well, we, what do you want to know about it? <laughs> it's called, uh, with the wolves, with the wolves. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, um, I know that it's got, uh, it starts out with this intro that you can hear, uh, a lot of different sounds kind of coming together. It's a, a soundscape. And one of the primary sounds in that is wind chimes. Yeah. Um, and I know that you've kind of, that's kind of the story, a little bit of the story behind that album, because you had a lot of things happening in your life right kind of leading up to this yeah it's um so the wind chimes were um and there's a commentary um i'm pretty sure it's on youtube and or uh it's, it's on youtube and then i'm pretty sure it's on spotify and itunes and all that kind of stuff but um long story short uh, long year a couple years of some just really hard stuff happening and um that all was kind of happening in the midst of me recording these songs. Um, another album, so Spring Summer, kind of happened in the middle of all that madness. My, my the albums I work on tend to kind of overlap a lot. So right now I'm I'm essentially working on like three separate albums right now, and I've got the next one that's coming out, but I'm still kind of working on two others in the midst of that. Um, but it took about three years to really start putting the songs together for with the wolves and in that time you know we just we had a lot of crazy things happen just kind of abnormal um some people call it just bad luck or whatever you want to call it but um the one of the biggest things was my dad passed away and that was in June 2017. That was literally at the very beginning of kind of like putting all this together. Um, so processing and dealing and growing through that kind of really shaped the songs in a way. Um, and fast forward, our, our house burnt down on Christmas Eve, um, 2018, so right before 19. Um, and we had a couple other crazy things happen in the midst of all that as well. Um, but I got wind chimes from my dad's passing. Um, I don't remember. I don't know who got them for us or 
where they came from, but um, I lost our wind chimes in that fire. And then we lost um, our family farm where we lived and um, we had three separate family members living out there. And then it was just kind of a place where the whole family would kind of congregate, get together for holidays and uh, everybody else would come to the family farm. So we ended up selling the family farm in the process of that, um, another set of wind chimes from a family member got left behind and they didn't want them. So I was like, I'll take them. So we moved to this new house um, after a lot of floating around after the fire, trying to get our, figure out what we're going to do in our next step. Um, and it was really hard. It was like nine months of kind of living with my people, friends' couches, my wife and I, you know, and our dog and everything we had, which wasn't a lot. And we kind of bounced around for about nine months because we were trying to rebuild our house. Um, there was a weird snafu with like insurance to where we didn't get any insurance money mm. for the fire. So not only did we have this fire and, and literally lost everything, my wife and I laughed the next morning because uh, all we had was what we ran outside of the house with, really. Um, I grabbed, I was able to grab a couple guitars and my computer, um, but that was it. And um, we woke up the next morning laughing, and I was like, we don't even own underwear. Because, you know, like, <laughs> I was just wearing, like, sweatpants and a sweatshirt. And I was like, we don't own underwear or socks right now, you know. And it was it – was, it was so surreal, uh, but exciting and cool because we were just like, this is like a new journey, you know. And um, so uh, fast forward, um, we're in this new little house. Uh, it's a rental house of my mom's. And it just opened up about the time when we were like you know, really, really needing a place, you know, figured out we couldn't rebuild. So we moved in here. That's where we're still at. That's where I'm at right now. And um, I hung the wind chimes on the front porch. And as I'm recording and finishing up a lot of final details on the album, these wind chimes were like in the background. And I would go back at night and I listened to my recordings and I could hear the wind chimes. And I'm like, oh, no. And after a couple of days of trying to figure out, like, what am I going to do? Because it was in a lot of stuff. Um, I was like, I'm just going to leave it because that's it's like my dad's a part of the album you know so yeah that's that's that whole story on yeah the i i love definitely love that story too because it's just kind of the way it works you know it's kind of yeah. haunting but at the same time you know there's a joy to it and a way to kind of help process that that's you know that grief of all of that so dude yeah what a i uh i kind of you know we're facebook friends obviously and i've been kind of following your story as you've been going through it and thinking how hard would that be to go through that. And then when I heard the album, I kind of, um, I mean, I'm also a musician. I, not, I'm not Austin Sterling quality, but uh, I know, <laughs> but I know, I know for me um, to be able to express myself in writing or in music really helps me go through that hard time to be able to take that and turn that into something. And I think a lot of times, you know, men in particular, because that's, you know, who's listening to our podcast, men in particular don't know how to process emotions. Yeah. Uh, so would you say, you know, your music definitely helps you through that kind of stuff? For many, many years of my life and growing up, I 
was like extremely angry and wanting to fight people at every corner. Um, I thought I was a good communicator and I thought I was processing things really well. Um, it wasn't really until I got deep into playing music that I realized that like all this pent up anger and stuff I had was like um, this voice inside of me that I wasn't able to like show. Um, it was just being stifled, you know, by the people around me and my family, you know, they didn't mean to, they just didn't know any better. I, op I operate differently than probably anybody else in my family. And I, and I kind of process differently, but, um, so it's not, I don't have any grudge against them for that necessarily, but like, it just was all of these years of not really feeling like I, I had a voice and I was able to be myself. Um, and it caused a lot of anger. And, um, once I got deep into music, I saw that very clearly. And now that I have like a way to express myself that way, the, the less anger I have as time goes on, you know? Um, so, I mean, I, and the, the family in the house I grew up, like it wasn't, um, <laughs> they were very like, um, aggressive in a way of like, um, you know, my mom, she's, she's tough. Like, she's like, um, you know, if you didn't jump when she told you to do something, you know, there was, there was, there was hell to pay. You know what I mean? Sure. And, and she made sure you listened and she was, she's hardcore. She's like a drill sergeant when we were younger, you know, in a good way. And my dad was the same, you know, if you got out of line or you didn't listen to what something he told you, you know, they were very kind of, they were very old school in that mentality and I appreciate it because I needed that. If they weren't like that, I probably would be a wreck right now, you know, yeah, that, was... that discipline, uh, carries over. Yeah. 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 So, um, sorry, I'm kind of talking circles, but yeah, no, uh, that's good. basically, I mean, the music really helps me kind of process more than anything, probably my inner voice and like lets me get out this artistic, part of me that for years what I wasn't able to do you know and I think early on that's where like my getting all my tattoos and stuff like that's where that came into play because it was like a, um it was a it was a way artistically I could express myself outwardly and I didn't really have any other avenues to do that so I start. I made I got made a lot of friends within tattoo shops and things like that and um so just getting tattoos became a way of that I could really like dig deep and express myself. And it was really my only thing I could really figure out to do at the time. So, yeah. I know that uh, you do a lot of gigging as a musician. You play out a lot. You know, I see when you when you go on tour, you know, you'll go and travel quite a distance from your home there in Indy, Indiana. And, um, uh, now, obviously, that some of that kind of stuff is taking a hit right now in, in the middle of this, uh, everybody shut down and stuck in their house or whatever. What's that look like for you? How's that affecting you right now? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, my, my wife and I were talking because I took this whole last winter off. Like, we moved into this house, and the smoke had finally cleared after, like, three years of just chaos. And we moved into this house and I was like, okay, this winter, I was like, 
you know, to my wife, I'm like, you and I are doing nothing. Like we're, we're going to lay low and spend time together and be together. And we're going to just, we need a sabbatical. You know what I mean? Like, so I took the time and I wrote and recorded and, you know, she worked and tried to cut her hours down as much as possible. This whole winter, I haven't really played at all. I've played maybe a couple shows and by the end of the winter, she's like, okay, we need to not do that again. She's like, you don't do well when you're not playing live, you know? Right. And I was like, I agree. Like I, I, I miss getting in the car, you know, get jumping in the van, loading all the gear up and just driving down the road, you know? And, um, so I'm, I'm trying to readjust my priorities and figure out a new game plan because this whole summer is just shot. Like, um, I'm trying to talk to places and maybe, um, August, you know, I'm able to start booking some shows. Yeah. It's, um, that's tough because nobody, every state is different. And then every, every place is different. They're like, we don't know what we can do. We don't know what, <laughs> you know, nobody gives yeah. any clear answers on what they're allowed to do. So that kind of affects yeah. it too. And I had some really big, um, cool th- exciting things I was going to be playing this year that I'd never really gotten to do before. Wind chimes. So <laughs> I could play that. Going to play the wind chimes on stage. Yeah, I was going to play the wind chimes, you know, <laughs> different outfits on stage. And I was really excited, but, um, but yeah, all that's, all that's gone, you know, like it's not going to happen and maybe it'll happen next year or something, but yeah. um, it's, uh, it sucks. But I mean, you've already been through the hard stuff. This is nothing, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and grant, granted, like, um, every situation affects people differently. I, you know, my wife was really struggling because she is like, um, she's not a workaholic in the negative sense. She's a workaholic and like, she's the girl's got more drive and work ethic than anybody I've seen. And she just loves it. Like she loves what she does. She's a hairstylist and she owns two salons and she just loves what she does. So her not being able to do that, you know, was really bummed her out, you know, but, um, you know, throughout the quarantine, we just decided to be present, you know, and look at this as like a, a paid vacation in a way sure (laughs) even though we're not making money you know the (laughs) government is all cool enough to give us this money you know and um i mean i've got my opinions of the government so does everybody else but like not to get political but it's really cool that they're giving people you know stimulus checks and you have um you know you're just you're able to get some finances granted they're not what we would have been making you know if i was out on the road and and she was able to work as well, but it's still, it's still good. We're okay. We're breathing. We're healthy. You know, exactly. Um, I've got a, I've got a 13 year old son and I was talking to him and he didn't get to have his birthday party in the midst of all this. And, uh, I had to kind of take him aside and say, you know, you got to think if, if somebody in our family got sick, and they and they passed away like how important was your birthday party be then you know your birthday party wouldn't even be in your mind so 
you got to think of what we still have, you know, and what other people are going through. And it's much worse than us just being bored for a few weeks. Definitely. When I think about touring back in the day, back in the day when you used to be able to go tour and go play. Yeah. um, I I think a lot of times uh, when we think of a touring musician, you know, we imagine this rolling tour bus full of debauchery. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which doesn't seem like you at all. We've met online and you're from Indy and uh, come to find out you were coming through the area. So I was actually able to go see you play, which was awesome. I, I guess I was just impressed with like, this is a job to you. Like, you know, we, like I said, there's this image, maybe it's Hollywood that creates it of musicians just kind of going out and doing whatever they want when they're on the road. What is it? Um, what does it look like for you? Like, how, like, what is, what is that portion of your job? Like, well, I think it's, uh, I don't think it's necessarily, I mean, Hollywood definitely adds to it, but I, I mean, it is, it is a real thing. I mean, about every show we go to, you know, I'm offered some kind of drug or, you know, and before my wife was around, you know, um, I, I'm not saying that um, everybody wants to sleep with you and everybody wants to, you know, like do coke with you or something like that. I'm just saying, like, if you, as a musician out there playing, like, it's definitely there at your fingertips at any moment. But um, I don't know. I in the circles I've ran in most of my life like some of my really good friends in high school um were into some pretty heavy drugs for high schoolers like coke and heroin and stuff like that and um i mean i've I've been around that stuff since probably junior high you know um but i've just i don't for some reason i've just never been interested um like legit, like it's just never been anything I've been interested in. Um, I've never been curious about it. I've never, I guess that's one thing with my family being as like hard, hardcore as they are, like discipline and the aggressive nature. I think I kind of learned from that was like a very like staunch, like this is who I am. This is how I, this is how I function. And, um, I never felt the need to like apologize or feel embarrassed or, um, for any of the ways I operated, you know? Um, so when we're on tour, um, I think a lot of people just assume that I used to be an alcoholic, you know, uh, even though I've literally never taken a sip of alcohol, you know, and I've never even, I've never done anything. I've never even smoked a cigarette. But, um, you know, so some people think I, maybe I used to have a problem with addiction. Um, a lot of people just leave me alone about it, really. I mean, people will ask and offer something, you know, um, but as soon as I'm like, no, I'm good, you know, they're pretty respectful and they just leave it, they leave me alone about it, you know. Um, and I don't care. I don't care what people are going to go do. I don't necessarily want to be there in the same room with things going on and it's not, um, it's not because I don't like them or anything like that. Um, I just, I try to, as I'm growing older, I'm becoming more sensitive to like, not to sound new agey about things, but like the energy that's around me and 
um, when I feel like a negative heaviness, like I don't want a part, I don't want it, you know? Yeah. And what a lot of people do to their bodies, you know, what it's doing to them internally and mentally, um, it's heavy to me, you know, it weighs on me. And I don't really like being present for that. Getting back to your new album, which is uh, With the Wolves, which people can get that, by the way, on Spotify, uh, iTunes, or to probably directly from you, too, from your website? Um, no, I don't have it up because... <laughs> That's okay. Really, really, everybody just uses streaming platforms. Um, yeah. So it's on really any streaming platform. Cool. So yeah. so they can pull it up and listen and uh, and check it out and share it with their friends. Um there are a lot of really good tracks. Now, when you sent me the album to preview, you told me it's actually designed to be listened to in one setting, right? All the way through. Yeah. I was, I was kind of trying to like combat that, uh, the modern, everybody, you know, picking one song after, which is going to happen regardless. Yeah, sure. I really wanted to like, uh, push people to like sit down and like go through like an experience, you know? I, it's definitely cool when you do that because the songs kind of flow together and it tells a story, I guess. So I really like it. Uh, one of the songs, no, we're going to, we're going to break your rule now because <laughs> we'll yeah. play one of them for now for our, our listeners. Here we go. This is strength of my hands by Austin Sterling.
That's Strength of My Hands by Austin Sterling, which, again, you can check out on any streaming platform. Uh, make sure you listen. Uh, I imagine you get a little bit of royalties from people listening into that, right, Austin? Is that how that works? Just a penny or two little, here and there? Little is an exaggeration, I think. <laughs> My intent was actually for this album to give it away completely for free. Um, I don't know where a snafu happened or something in the process of me releasing it through all the streaming services and all that, but it looks like it's still charging for it, um, hmm. which if people are paying for streaming, Spotify or Apple Music or whatever, then they'd obviously don't have to pay for it. They're paying for the streaming service. Um, sure. So I was actually hoping, trying to give it away for free. So I'm, that's one of the things I've been trying to figure out why that didn't happen. <laughs> but yeah, uh, royalties are... What if they are? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someday that'll all turn around, but um, that's all good though. Um, you know, I, uh, I mentioned this in the intro before I, uh, before you came on, I talked about the fact that uh, some of your music, some of your older music is actually part of our theme song leading into the Manlyhood man cast and has been. And uh, you know, I, I love that kind of dark Gothic Southern sound uh, that, that your music is. Is it, uh, is there is there a music that you would list say that you listen to that maybe inspires you or informs you? Not really, man. I um, so I try really hard not to be influenced by um, anything I listen to. I mean, of course you're gonna be you're gonna hear things you like, and I try not to like imitate anything, and I try really hard not to like. Um, for one, I want to I want to sound as original as possible. Like I want my style um, and sound and whether it's lyrical or audible or whatever, like I really want it to be as unique and different as possible. So um, I think I was just really, so when I was playing, I had like a full band and um, when it was like the Hangdog hearts and that was intended to be like a full band I never wanted to be solo. I never even wanted to be like the lead singer, but nobody else would get up on the mic when we were jamming. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll do I that. guess that's me. <laughs> yeah. And I never, I still don't, I never considered myself like a singer or anything like, or a lead front man or anything like that. But um, the band kept falling apart and I kept trying to keep it together and it kept falling apart. And I kept trying to find members and um, people would come and go. And I'm like, if I want this to keep going, like I have to keep going. So um, it led into me playing by myself. And I had a, a couple shows where it was just me and the drummer and the upright player didn't show up. And I was carrying the drummer's drum set because it was my drum set he was using. So I was loading it and taking it to the gigs. Well, I had a kick drum there, and I'm like, well, I'll try this just to make it a little more exciting so I'm not just sitting there strumming by myself, you know. And um, after doing that a handful of times, like, it just clicked. And once I started writing songs like that, like, it just – everything opened up. And I finally felt like I was playing, like, the way that, like, I play music, you know, um, with without thinking about it, without overcomplicating it, Um so to answer your question, I don't, I, I don't really 
look at people that inspire me really like musically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're trying to make something mean, that's your own and that's different regardless. Yeah. yeah, and I don't mean to sound pretentious when I say that in the way of like nobody inspires me. I don't look to you know anything like that. Like um, there's things I hear, and I have over time. Like I've heard something that some like another musicians has done like um, whether it be like lyrics from like Springsteen or something that Brian Adams has done or like something Tom Waits has done and I've tried to like kind of capture that that they've done and it I it dude it falls short every time and it it's probably some of the worst stuff I've ever recorded, so I just delete it because I'm just like, this is horrible, you know, and it's not genuine. It's not me. Yeah, so you can't copy somebody else's style. You can't try to even – like if it's you, then it works is what you're saying. Like it's it's right. it's got to yeah. be you. It's got to be authentic. Yeah. and I think there's different musicians. There's people that can hear stuff like that and they can copy it and make it their own really well. I'm just not that kind of musician. I haven't, I haven't done that well in my opinion when I've tried to do that. So really like I just sit down and record a song and I have an idea of what I want it to sound like. And then I just kind of like work through it as I'm recording, you know, I try different instruments to it and see what sticks. And, um, and some of these songs I record three, four or five times before I get an actual take with instruments and everything that I like, you know, I, I just keep working the song until I feel like it's, you know, what as good as it can be. So most of the instruments then on your album is most of them are you playing the banjo and the percussion and vocals and all of that's mostly you. Right. Yeah. Um, violin players. So the last three albums, especially, um, Salway, spring, summer and with the wolves, um, the violin players or the fiddle players are whoever's playing those instruments is somebody else. Um, but everybody, everything else is just me. When I saw you play live, uh, in only in New York, you had your wife with you playing keys and another lady on violin. Do you, sometimes when you tour, did your wife come along with you? Yeah, she's always, uh, Lily's always on the road and she, um, that's just something when we got married, we decided we were going to commit to is that, I, I really don't want to go on the road and be away from her for one. Um, I don't really like that. Like if this is going to be a lifelong um, career, I don't want to get in the habit of me coming in and out of town and leaving. It's just unhealthy. I think for our, for a marriage and I've seen a lot of marriages of friends and other people suffer from that. And uh, she's, she's too good, man. I don't want to mess it up. So <laughs> Yeah, she's, she's definitely out of your league, buddy. <laughs> trust me, man. I know. I, that's a that's when I uh, when I got to know her. We were on tour. Um, her dad actually is a pretty killer musician himself, and he um, he was coming and playing some shows with us, and um, that's how I kind of got reacquainted with her. And. Uh, so her and I were texting this whole really long tour. We were on for like five weeks or something. And then we were coming home for six days. And then I left for Europe for like six weeks. So for five weeks, we were out on the West coast and back and her and I were just texting and nonstop. 
um, then we were home for like six days. So I got to spend six days with her. And then we left for Europe for six weeks. And so between that five weeks and those six weeks, like we got to know each other really well. Um, we were just nonstop communication. And um, by the time I got back home, I was like, um, I don't mean to freak you out, but would you be interested in sitting down with my pastor and doing like premarital counseling? And she was like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It was just like that. It was like, okay, cool. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so a uh, quick question about, about kind of being on the road gigging kind of thing. Uh, what's the worst performance, the worst gig you ever had? Do you, there's always one that sticks in your head, you know, is there one for you? Man, I, dude, these are fun stories to tell when we're on tour and stuff and we're other musicians, you know, whoever's with us and we're sharing these stories. Um, one that sticks, sticks out. I, I mean, I've had a lot, a lot of bad ones. One, this guy booked us at a bar. Um, I'm not going to name the state or anything because people might know who the, who the guy is when I describe it. Um, I show up to the venue and it had already been booked not only was there a band setting up, there was another band who was supposed to play that night as well as me supposed to play. So it was like triple booked. So there's a band setting up and another band like, hey, we're supposed to play. And then I'm like, I'm supposed to play too, you know. Um, so the guy who booked the show said basically, um, my parents have a restaurant in town and you can go play it, you know, and you can – We'll, we'll try to get you some money. So I, I go to this restaurant and it was like actually an old diner and there was no room because you know how those old diners are set up and it was packed, but not in like a good way. Like this is great exposure packed in like a loud, everybody's college kids are extremely drunk and nobody's paying attention to anybody. So I had to set up, um, Basically, there was, like, the bar area, and it kind of curved around at the end, and there was, like, bathrooms on this end. Well, I was at the very end inside the counter area with my a PA speaker right here sitting on the counter. Um, my kick drum's behind the counter, and I'm standing with my banjo trying to play songs. I literally have, like, servers and people passing orders behind my head and like i'm having to like duck out of the way because the kitchen window is right behind me and it was so greasy that like by the end of the night i just had like grease all up and down my back and on the back of my head and even the back of my banjo like i wiped it off and there was like like grease on the back of my banjo um and i got uh nine dollars so <laughs> That sounds awesome. Oh, played for three hours. Yeah, and like nine dollars. So that was uh, humbling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then your background music. So it's like, you know, that's I don't even know if I was that. I think everybody was so annoyed and didn't want me there that they were just like, <laughs> send them <know>. home. <laughs> yeah, I uh, said I wanted over easy. Yeah, <laughs> they, could, they can't hear. They're just yelling because yeah. they can't hear over you. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was not fun. So mm, 
That's awesome. Uh, we were we were actually playing. I was playing with a buddy. Um, this wasn't a horrible gig. It was just kind of a. It was a funny moment. My buddy James Honeycutt and I were on tour, and uh, we're out playing a show. Um, I think we were in California, and he got really sick. So I'm having to like play double shift and like fill the night. Um, he like lost his voice and stuff. And there's the people in the front row and they were like really into it. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. You know, it's been a couple of days. We played the show that the people were digging it, you know, and this girl leads forward into probably like my fifth or sixth song. And she was like, do you know any James Honeycutt songs? <laughs> James, my buddy was sitting right there at another table watching me and he was like mouthing to me he's like i'm so sorry <laughs> i was just like um no i don't i don't know any james Honeycutt songs that <laughs> was that was uh that sucked um old uh, buddy of mine that played drums um sean he played drums with me when i was doing like the hang dog hearts thing um this much 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 older lady um, was super hammered. Kept trying to pull him into the bathroom in between our sets. And um, if you knew Sean, it was just fun to sit and watch because he was so uncomfortable and he almost got raped by this, you know, seventy-eight-year-old <laughs> lady, um, which was just highly entertaining. So I might have even taken like extra breaks just to give them a chance to you know converse you like change the like, set and start working the love songs and yeah yeah so <laughs> some air the, supply covers you know yeah <laughs> something real sexy since we kind of asked some of your worst experiences maybe what's one of your best or most favorite moments from playing music on the road um so i went to uh school in Terre Haute. I went to ISU. Um, didn't necessarily finish, but that's not what we're talking about right now. Uh, Me either, man. I, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, so I went to college in um, Terre Haute, and um, there's, a pl- there's a bar called The Verve in Terre Haute, Indiana. And um, every year, Connie, the owner, has this huge fest uh, called blues fest or blues at the crossroads and thousands of people man like five six thousand people throughout the day and which for Terre Haute's not a huge huge city but it's a big event for that area and um I remember when I first was kind of like looking at the college and driving through Terre Haute I noticed the marquee sign for the verve and I was like man that's a cool looking I bet that bar is awesome, you know. That's the first place I'm going to go to when I'm hanging out down here and see bands and all that kind of stuff. And when I was in school, I tried to kind of start a band. It just never worked when I tried to. Um, But I'm jamming with some guys that lived in the same building with me. And we're like, yeah, we're going to get a set list together. We're going to play at the Verve. And that was like our shooting high, you know what I mean? And um, I played at the Verve a bunch of years ago, and Connie was kind enough that she was like, you know, would you come and uh, would you play Blues Fest? Would you headline it? Um, actually, going to the festival, driving to play, I didn't realize I was headlining. And as I pull in, you know, we're driving on the highway, and we're seeing 
billboard signs on the side with like my name on it and stuff like that. And I'm like, why is my name on the billboard? And um, I didn't realize we were headlining, you know, the festival and like closing out the night. Um, so we get there and it's just this huge stage and massive crowd at that point, the biggest crowd I've ever played for. And, um, you know, we we're just playing as a two piece and we played and we, it was fun. It was a great show. People were enjoying it and they were having a good time. And so as I'm playing the whole time, I could see off to my left that like verb marquee sign, you know, and I just kind of like took a second and was like thankful for that experience, you know, like never would have thought I would get, get to be doing what I do. I never thought I'd get to be a musician, you know, um, it was always like a, unspoken dream of mine so much so that I just I never talked about it because I never thought it would be I never thought it would be something like possible for me to do so I didn't even want to like talk about it um because I wanted it that bad you know um so it's really that was that was a cool experience that is awesome yeah and and other musicians know this but like you play you know, 50 horrible shows and then show number 51 and you're just getting drained the whole time. And then show 51 is like awesome and people really appreciate it and they have fun and you're able to do what you do really well. Um, and it re-energizes you for the next 50 like shitty shows. Yeah. So you're just, you know, you're set <laughs> up and you're like, okay, I'm re-energized. Let's do it again, you know. Yeah. Well, and that sometimes I think one of the things I had to realize too is like, yeah, I want to make music that makes other people happy, but at the same time I make it because it makes me happy and hopefully yeah. other people get it, you know? Right. I'm sure that's probably, you know, the case. With, I mean, you're not going to put something out that sucks, but <laughs> you know, you, I, I might, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people think, <laughs> you know, some things suck. And, and, uh... Yeah. I, my, my 15 year old daughter's really not into you. Just so you know, she's like, Oh dad, we have to listen to this. Everybody has got their different tastes. Yeah. And, uh... Now my, my, my 20 year old daughter is into it though. She's like, this is awesome. Oh, so. cool. There you go. <laughs> that makes me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's awesome, dude. Uh, listen, I've really enjoyed having you on the show and uh, and chatting with you about life, about music. And uh, what's one piece of advice, one piece of manly advice that you'd give uh, the guys in our audience that uh, that uh, for maybe something you've learned in your life that as a man that you know that really uh, you think every man needs to know? Man, I don't know. Um... I think as a man, I think everybody in general, men and women, but especially men, I think um, finding uh, mentors, building a multitude of wise counsel. So um, I have three men and that I meet with on a regular basis. Um, I'm, I'm, from my from my standpoint, they're um, they're believers. They, we have the same spiritual beliefs. Um, and it's just older men who have lived more life who I have sought out and they're wiser than me in many, many ways. Um, I didn't realize I needed this until my dad passed away because he was always my 
wise counsel. He was always my mentor. He was the guy I went to. And when I didn't know what to do, uh, when I needed, uh, I just needed direction, you know, um, I'm still young in many ways. I don't, I don't know the wisest thing to do at every turn. So when he passed away and I was reaching those moments where I, I needed somebody wiser than me to talk to. Um, so I turned to my pastor, who's one of them and, and a couple other guys. Um, it has done wonders for me. I mean, but the thing is like, you have to be consistent about it. It's not like you, you, you seek out this relationship with a mentor and you do it for a month or two and go, no, like it's, it's nonstop. So kind of to piggyback on that, I think um, continual self work, like is something that I strive to always put like in the forefront of everything I do, like my daily, everything is like, I continually need to work on myself, my spiritual and my emotional health. Um, <clears throat> so I think those two, yeah, probably are the biggest that jump out in my head. I think that's some excellent advice, man. I really appreciate it. And I know that our guys will get a lot out of that too. So again, Austin Sterling, uh, you can check out his website, austinsterling.com. Look him up on YouTube, follow him on social media. And uh, uh, I'd encourage you to, you know, find a song you like and share it so that you can share it with your friends. Cause I think he's, he makes great music. And I think a lot of people uh, would really appreciate it. Right. So let's get it out there. Thanks man. Awesome. Thanks for being on the show, buddy. I appreciate yeah. it very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey man, I see you. I see your fire going out. I see your marriage barely holding on. I know you're broke wore out and at the end of your rope I've been there and it sucks it sucks the spark right out of you till all you have left is a pile of wet wood it feels like it's never gonna burn I can't fix your problems I can't make her love you again I can't lose 50 pounds for you or fill your bank account but I can remind you of who you are I can share some of my fire I can help you make a plan to get your life back on track so let's go. Let's do this. Let's reignite our lives. There's a lot at stake. No one wants their marriage to end in divorce. No one wants to wallow in despair or to the dark places that follow. So let's do it. Let's reignite our lives. Let's reignite our passion, our marriage, our health, our careers, our dreams, our mindsets. Get reignited today. Get Reignite today. Manlyhood.com slash reignite. You want to be a better man? Check out our website, manlyhood.com, for blogs, videos, and more from our Manlyhood team. Men, you can also join our private Facebook group, Manlyhood Man Cave, where you can meet up with a band of brothers who will challenge you help you on your journey of manhood. Be sure to check out all our resources at manlyhood.com slash store. This episode is produced by Thatcher Media for manlyhood.com.
Our manly theme music is from Austin Sterling and also from Mark Cruz. Sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, YouTube, or whatever you're listening to. Tune in again for more of the Manlyhood Mancast.